But it's so great to have Ed coming over and giving time to us, helping us developing our worship. I really appreciate working with Alid and uh, just such a great support. Thank you. Whee, there we go. How are we doing? Are you okay? Good. It's so good to be with you. And I kind of looking out, I kind of I know lots of people, but I don't know everyone. Uh, but it's really great to be with you. Um, my name's Alid. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Alid. Um, I'm 33, I think. I think no, I'm 32. I will be 33 this year, I think. I've um, I've been married for 10 years. Um, I've got two beautiful children, another one on the way, and uh, yeah, we're, um, yeah, absolutely love being part of King's Church Hastings. I've been on staff there for five years, um, actually qualified as a primary school teacher. Good evening, Ian. Hey. Uh, yeah, so I was kind of, I was, I was trained as a primary school teacher, um, worked in schools for eight years, and five years ago, uh, Paul and the guys asked me to come on staff, and it's been a roller coaster of a ride since. Absolutely loved it. So tonight, as Steve said, he's asked me to come and talk a bit about the vision and values of worship. Because as we plant this venue into Bex Hill, we want it to have the DNA of what we've had in King's Hastings, don't we? And one of the core values of what we have as King's Church since 1974, ever since we started, it started that we want worship at the heart of everything that we do. We really want worship to be the core of who we are as uh, a people group. So tonight I want to look um, a little bit about corporate worship, like what we've done tonight, but also I just want to talk about what the Bible says about the generalization of worship, what worship actually is. So let's just quickly look at two passages and then we'll go from there. So Psalm 100, if you've got it, I haven't got a PowerPoint or anything, I'm not that organized, uh, but if you've got your Bible, you can turn to it. I'll read it out for you anyway. It says this in Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So come into his presence with singing. Okay, so this is kind of corporate times where we come together just like we've done and we sing our songs of praise and adoration to Jesus. Okay, here's a second passage, Romans 12 verses 1. Romans 12. This is one of the verses when I was younger that I memorized because I was promised a Mars bar and I did it. So Romans 12, at least for the NIV, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Why this is your spiritual act of worship. In other words, yes, we come and we sing songs and we give our adoration and our praise to Jesus, but worship is a lot more than just what we've just done there. Actually, what it says in the Bible is that our whole life can be an offering of worship that pleases God. Everything that we can do can please God. So come before him with joyful songs, but also present your body as a living sacrifice to him. Do you know that every part of your life is an opportunity to worship God? Do you know that? Every opportunity we have as a venue here in Bexhill, it's an opportunity to give glory and to worship God. It's exciting. You see, the reality is everyone in here and out in Bexhill, everyone worships. Everyone worships. 
The question isn't, are you worshipping? The question always has been and always will be, what is the focus of your worship? What's the focus of our worship? As we launch Bex Hill, what, what is the focus of our worship? What is the focus of our time and our energy? What is the focus of our affection? Because do you know what? It says in the Bible that we can be very, very religious, yet still fail to worship God. We can be very religious, we can do all the things that the Bible says to do, but we can still fail to have a heart of worship to God. You can go to church every single week. You can come to each and every one of these vision and value meetings and you can miss the point of worship. That's what the Bible says. You can even be part of the worship team. And we've got lots of vacancies if you want to join. But you can still do that and miss the point of worship. And why do I say that? I say that because worship is a heart condition. It's a heart condition. Do you understand? God is more interested in our hearts then he is our attendance, actually. He's, he's more interested in our heart than he is our schedule of how we're reading the Bible. It's really good to read the Bible. It's really good to pray. But actually, God's interested, first and foremost, with our hearts. I, uh, I met a guy once who knew the Bible so well, but he wasn't a Christian. You know, he could study the Bible, and he would be able to quote, and he will be able to know stuff. There's a lot of non-Christian theologians in Cambridge and Oxford. You know, they don't have a relationship of worship with God. You can know the Bible, yet miss worship. You can go to church every week. You can come to these meetings. We can plant Bex Hill. And if we're not careful, we can do all of that in our own strength and totally forget the heart of worship. That's why it's so important. That's why we're talking about it tonight. So God is more interested in the heart. God is as interested with your Monday to your Saturday as he is your Sunday. Do you know that? There, there are a lot more opportunities to worship God Monday to Saturday than there are just on a Sunday morning for those two hours. Lots of opportunities. God is as interested in your heart for worship on a Tuesday morning when you walk into that office or a Thursday afternoon when you're struggling with the kids or whatever it is that you're doing. There is lots of opportunities to worship him. Every day is a worship opportunity. So I'm just going to very quickly, uh, we're going to talk through three different um, kind of aspects or three different reasons for the worship. And the first one is this. Worship is our purpose. Worship is our purpose. Do you know, God has actually created us to worship him. Okay? And what I mean by that is giving glory to him, but being in relationship with him. Not just doing things for church or doing things for God, but actually being in relationship and community with him, being in a loving relationship with him and worshiping him. That is what God has created us for. The focus has always been and always will be worship. Do you know, there will be a time where there will be no more evangelism. There will be a time where King's Church Hastings and King's Church Bexley, we will stop planting venues. Not because we've run out of towns, but because one day when Jesus comes back, there will be no need for any evangelism. There will be no need for prayer ministries. There will be no need for food banks. There will be no need for all these great things that we do. But do you know what? There will always, always, always be worship. The core of our purpose is that we'll worship him, and it will always be there. Our purpose to have an exciting relationship with our Heavenly Father that impacts every single area of our lives. That's why it's easy to worship, actually. Now, you might think, oh, I find it so difficult to worship. I guarantee that there will be areas in your life that you can worship, that you can praise and you can celebrate and you can rejoice in. If you want to see a real great expression of worship, you go to a football match, you go to a concert, 
And there you'll see thousands of grown men with their tops off, swinging them around, just screaming love songs for who? It's not for God. But do you know what? They were designed and they were made to worship. So it's easy for them to worship. It's just that they haven't found the one worth worshipping yet. They just haven't found the one who's deserving of the glory and the honour and the power and the glory. They're made to worship, but they've made to place value on their relationship with God. And if they haven't found him yet, they'll place that, that value on other things. That's what the Bible says, is that that's the core of who actually we were as sinful people. We placed that value, we placed what should have been God's, and we placed it on other things. We worshipped other things before God's. But we were designed to worship, that's why we actually find it easy. And you only have to have a look at the Bible, a quick glimpse across the Bible to see how important worship is. So we see, I was even just today, I was doing a bit of a study on Abraham. I'm launching our preach series on Abraham in a few weeks' time. And it's amazing. With Abraham, worship is just a, a part of all of, his, um, all of what we read in the Bible. There's, well, there's worship. And there was a lovely phrase in a book that I read where it says, the last thing, um, it says, all the, um, what's the phrase? Is it um, all the, uh, it wasn't archaeological buildings. It basically said all of basically the, the history of what remains of what you see with Abraham with your eyes are... are um, Oh, crumbs, dear me. No, relics, did you say? No, not relics. Altars. Basically, if you wanted to try and find the evidence of where Abraham was and what he did, all you'd see are altars. He goes to one place, he builds an altar, and he gives glory to God. And then he's walking to another part. He goes 20 miles further south, then he goes to a different part of the promised land. And what does he build? He builds another altar. The only evidence of Abraham and Isaac is actually just a heart of worship. That's what we're designed and called to do. So Abraham encountered God. What was the first thing he did? Obedient sacrifice, an act of worship. Moses led the people out from Egypt. Why did God say, let my people go? Let my people go that they'll do what? That they can come and worship me. Isn't it interesting? The one thing that God stipulates, let my people go. Why? So they can come to the mountain and worship me. It's the very core of what God wants them to do. Job, he loses everything, doesn't he? What's the first thing he does? He falls to his knees and he worships God. Elijah, he calls down fire from heaven and it's in the context of an act of worship. David dances before the Lord's worship. Hannah hands over her baby son to the Lord. What does she then do? She sings a song of praise to God. Mary knows that she's carrying Christ and what does she do? She worships. Wise men then greet Christ as a child and what do they do? They worship. Simeon sees the infant child, and what does he do? He worships. It seems that every time that people have an encounter with Jesus God, worship is one of the main things that they do. It's such at the core of what the Bible says. The disciples realize that Jesus is God, and what do they do? They worship him. Worship isn't just about singing songs. It's not just about tongues and interpretation and all those things that we love to do when we gather together. It's a life poured out in holiness, obedience, service, mission, sharing the gospel with the lost, sharing our bread with the poor and sharing our lives with one another. All of that is an opportunity to worship and glorify God. Worship is the total alignment of our heart, soul, mind and strength with the will of God. It is our purpose. Everyone say, worship is my purpose. Sorry, that was pretty terrible. Say, worship is our purpose. Right, let me tell you, when you go to Bexhill, when we plant into Bexhill, worship is one of the main things that we will do. All right? 
Sometimes, I often have people say, why is it that every meeting we have worship? Because it's one of the core things of what we're called to do. If we have an hour prayer meeting, we'll always worship because it's one of the core things of what we want to do. We always want to start with glorifying him and reminding ourselves of what he's done. We want to praise him and give him glory. Before we ask of anything, before we say, God, we're going to go, will you come with us? We say, Jesus, before anything else, we say, you are so worthy of our praise and adoration. Worship is the core thing because it is... Is our purpose. The second thing, if worship is our purpose, if it's what we're designed to do, it should be our priority. It should be one of the things that we prioritize in our life. Singing songs with a heart of worship should be a priority. Going actually to work and honoring God in the workplace should be a priority. Bringing up our children with a heart of worship should be a priority. Whatever you do, we should do it with a heart of worship. That should be our priority. Now, this is, one of our, this is going to be one of our, I think, biggest problems as church planters or as venue planters. And I found it because I lead the six o'clock church one. I want you to understand that God is more interested in your heart of worship than he is our ability to make meetings really good or to get the best worship team or to have the best setup or to have the best kids work or all of those things because it's our purpose our priority is always going to be in worshiping God. That has got to be the number one thing. We can have the best venue, the best bands, the most exciting songs, the greatest sound, the best preachers, the most people, the greatest reputation in Bexhill and beyond. Yet we can do all of those things and fail to worship God. It's not only our purpose, but it's also our priority. We can do all those things and fail to worship God. And do you know what? If we have all of those great things... And we're not building and developing a community that makes worship a priority, then I'm afraid, guys, we've failed in what we've been called to do. Jesus says he'll build his church. Now, we partner with him and we do that, absolutely. But if our focus is just on trying to build this church great and we miss what we're trying to build it for, then we're in big problems. Our priority is to worship God. And we know as we do that and as Jesus builds his church, people will come and people will see an experience of man and God dwelling with one another and have a relationship with one another. And they'll say, God is surely in this place. It's our priority. We're ultimately here to show a town without him how they can come and meet him. And that's only going to happen when we worship in our daily lives and also here when we gathered together. I was reminded, just planning this, and just on this point of priority, uh, if you know the story of Mary and Martha, so the story of Mary and Martha, and I think it's a lovely story, and I, I kind of sympathize with Martha a little bit, if I'm honest. I'm a to-doer, right? Every day, I write a to-do list, and often at the start of my to-do list, I'll, I'll write things that I've already done, just so I can have the satisfaction of ticking them off quickly, right? I am, at heart, like a Martha. I'm the one who's going about doing the bread and cooking and actually I've never made bread in my life that's a lie but I'll do all the stuff and what's really interesting is Martha comes to Jesus and she says this about her sister Mary and what's Mary been doing she's just been worshiping isn't she she's just been at his feet listening just spending time with God and she says this I find it really interesting Lord do you not care that my sister has left me to serve you alone tell her then to help me but what does the Lord say? Martha. In fact, he says her name twice. I think he goes, Martha, Martha, Martha. Listen, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Do you know, as we plant this venue, 
I think Jesus would say, guys, guys, we're anxious and troubled about many things. There's lots of things that can come along and can trouble us or we could be thinking about or distracted with. He says, Martha, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen what is better. Or in one version, Mary has chosen the good portion and it will not be taken away from her. Do you know what is better? What is better is that we can have time to sit at Jesus' feet and worship him. Yes, now, do you know what? I bet Jesus ate Martha's meal and I bet he enjoyed it and I bet he said, thank you so much, what a beautiful meal. What Martha did wasn't wrong, but there was something better. Do you see that? Jesus didn't say, Martha, you're wrong. He said, no, it won't be taken away from her because she's found she's chosen something better. It's not that building church is wrong. It's not that doing the venue stuff and all the things we're doing. No, it's not that it's wrong, but there is something which we've got to remind ourselves is better is our priority, is our purpose, is the fact that when we come, we come to glorify and worship Jesus. That's our priority, that's our purpose. And that's what we're going to do. Jesus says one thing is necessary, and that's spending time with him. Do you know what? Worship will only be your priority in your life if you make it that. It will only be your priority. Worshipping God will only be your priority if you consciously make the decision to make it that. And us as a venue, as we go corporately together, do you know what? It is very easy for us to slip into non-charismatic worship. It will be very easy for us to slip into, actually, when we meet together and there's lots of visitors, we'll dumb down the contributions a bit. Or maybe, actually, we'll just, when we're together in our homes, we'll do the worship bit. But when we're together publicly, let's maybe not, let's just dumb down what we do. Let's not be tempted to do that. Let's not be tempted to dumb down what it is that God's called us to do, what our purpose and our priority is. We're going to make it a priority to worship him in all our fullness. And that's what we're going to do. Amen? Amen. Okay. And the third thing is this. So it's our purpose, it's our priority, but do you know what? Worship is our privilege. Worship is our privilege. And do you know what? I think if we're not careful, this can be the trap for us. We just forget how much of a privilege it is. We can sometimes come out of tradition. We just come because it's just what we've always done. I've been in the church most of my life. Most Sundays of my life, I've come and I've sang songs and I've done worship corporately. I need to remember how much of a privilege it is to come into the presence of the King of all kings, the Holy One of Israel, the righteous judge of all the earth. And little old me can come in. And what does it say in Hebrews and Ephesians? It says, I can come before his throne of grace with confidence yeah boldness confidence i can come with confidence why because i've deserved it i earned it no this is grace on me it is such a privilege to be able to come into the presence of the king of kings it's a privilege never forget that worship is a privilege we have full access to god as father it's wonderful we have the full holy spirit in us it's wonderful and, you know, when we gather here together, God is here with us. It's great. You know, it doesn't really matter what time we get here. God was here first. All right? Now, listen, I don't mean just because he's everywhere. No, I mean that he was here gathered, expectant and excited for his kids to turn up. You know, I, when I get home, often my kids are running down the hallway saying, Daddy, 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 Daddy. And it, it, it stirs my heart. 
I love it. I just kiss them all over, tickle them all over. I bundle. I love my girls, and I love it that they want to be with me. God is here waiting for that. He's waiting for expecting kids to come saying, man, what's going to happen when we get to daddy today? What fun things has he got for us? What wonderful gifts has he brought us today? When we worship and give him joy and adoration, what things are we going to receive from the father? He loves it. He's here. He's expecting. It's amazing. It's a privilege. And you know, the amazing truth is that when we worship God on your own or whether corporately, do you know what? We get blessed. We get blessed. Isn't that outrageous? It's not only do we get to come, but actually we come and we receive a blessing from God. We receive a blessing when we worship him. There was once a time where the people of Israel were uh, kind of symbolically separated by a curtain, wasn't there, in the high temple. It says when Jesus died, the curtain was torn from top to bottom. Which basically means that the holy presence of God, and you know, we are now in a position which is more privileged than any high priest that has ever gone before us. I want you to understand that. Even the high priest, only on a particular time and in a particular way, with particular sacrifices, with a particular bloodline, will be able to come into the presence of God. Now, the, the presence of God is exploded out of the temple and it's in us and it's in here tonight. What an amazing privilege! Because I think for each and every one of us, I would, I, would, I would imagine that for each and every one of us, none of us would have even got into the outer courts, let alone the inner courts or the Holy of Holies. Whereas now, this side of the cross, we live in a place which is more intimate than even the Holy of Holies. We have the Holy of Holies living inside of us. To the point, that actually, if we receive Christ as Lord, we are holy. We are holy. We are blameless. What a privilege. Jesus has broken down the barrier, open wide and the way, and invites us to experience his presence and enjoy him forever. You know, a relationship with God is a privilege. It's not a rule. It's not a chore. It's not just because you're British. It doesn't just come with your heritage of going through a particular school and hearing particular stories, or maybe your parents have read you stories, or you've learned the Bible verses when you're younger. Actually, Having a relationship with Jesus is more than just that. It's a massive privilege, a personal relationship with Jesus. I heard before, and I've used this expression before, it's like me kissing my wife. I don't do it because I have to. Do I? I don't do it. I, I do it because I get to. And you know, I'm the only person here who gets to. None of you do. Yeah. It's a privilege. It's part of my commitment and my covenant with my wife is that I can do that. With God, it's not that we have to pray. It's not that we have to worship. It's not, it's just, oh, well, we've got a meeting. We better start with a few songs and better pray a little bit. We get to. I, we now get the opportunity to do what for all eternity past has never been possible now I get a privilege to have a relationship with God and talk to him on a one-to-one basis and actually hear from him. I actually get to pray and change situations in the cosmos because my God reigns and rules over all of it. It's phenomenal. What a massive privilege. We don't just do it because we have to or because it's what we're going to do as a venue. We get to, as a venue, enjoy God together. Isn't that exciting? I wonder what breakthroughs and things will happen within this community of people because we've accepted that the privilege of worshipping God means that we're going to step further and further into the riches of him. 
For all eternity, it says the blessing upon blessing of Christ is ours. Well, we want some of that in Bexhill now, don't we? Don't we? I do. I want more and more of that for us and for the people out there. What a privilege to be able to come into the presence of God. When we nurture that dynamic relationship, you know what? We want more and we want more and we want more. All right? God can be like an addiction. You get a taste of him. It's like, I just want more and I want more and I want more and I want more. Amen? Good. I hope that stirs you to worship. It's your purpose. It's what God designed and made you to be. But you know what? It's your priority is to worship him. Not to put other idols and things in your life that are ahead of God. Actually, us as a community of people, we want us as a community of people say, no, each and every one of us, we want God to be number one in our lives. We want him to have the priority of our worship and our time and our adoration and our money. Whatever it is for you, we want it to be our priority. And let's never forget, let's never, ever forget what a privilege it is to be able to worship God, to be able to come in times like tonight, whether we've got a great band, a bad band, whether the songs are on the screen, whatever it is, let's never forget that we have the privilege of coming into his presence and meeting with him. Because that's the key, two key ingredients here tonight, guys. You're here, God's here. It doesn't matter about anything else. We could have had a power cut. It could have been nighttime, daytime. It doesn't really matter. He's here. And we're going to worship him. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? I'm just going to pray. Yeah, we could even get the band up. Why not? Lord, I just want to thank you so much for the privilege of worship. I do. Thank you, Lord, that we have full access into the throne room of grace. Not just tonight, but any night. Not just when we're with the church gathered, but when we're on our own. When we're on the car, on the way to work. When we're walking along the beautiful seafront, looking at the sea. Right there, we have the privilege to worship you. And Lord, we just say that if there is anything in our lives that has taken priority of our worship beyond you, we say, Lord, we are so sorry. We're so sorry. And tonight we say we recognize that there is only one person. There is only one person who deserves all glory and honor and power and praise, and that is you. So tonight we choose to put you at the forefront of our lives, to put you number one with our heart of worship. So thank you for the privilege. Thank you that you've designed us, you've made us. Our heart is hardwired to be in a relationship that is blessed by you. And even tonight, right now, I say, will you come and fill us again with the Holy Spirit? We want to give you all the glory and all the praise. All the glory and all the honor. We join with the angels and say, holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy are you above all things. You have the name above all names. And we say, Lord, we want to be here in Bexhill, a shining beacon for you. Not just because we're really nice people, but because we have a heart that worships and glorifies God, the only one who is worthy, beyond any shopping mall, beyond any football stadium, before any concert or anything else. We know that tonight as we gather, you are here. 
So Holy Spirit, come fill us afresh tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Why don't you, just as we, as the band get ready, why don't you just invite the Holy Spirit? You can do that right now. You can just say, Holy Spirit, come fall afresh on me. Thank you for the privilege of being able to come into your presence tonight. Maybe there's one or two things in your life you think, you know what, I think I might put a, a more priority on that in my life. I give that more of my attention and my thinking and my finance than I do God. Why don't you just say sorry to him right now and just say, God, I want to change that from tonight. I want to put you number one above everything else. I'm just going to give you a couple of minutes to do that. Sometimes people find it helpful to lift their hands just as a, a sign of I'm here and I'm ready to receive from you. You don't have to do that. There's nothing special about that. But if you want, you can say, God, in this moment, I'm just ready to receive from you. I'm hungry for a touch of you. Thank you, Jesus.